Hey, what's going on? It's At The Letters, brought to you by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Arden Zwellen, Ben Nicholson-Smith, our producers are Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade. Today is Thursday, July 7th. Ben, Thursday, July 7th. We are more than halfway through the MLB season, and the Toronto Blue Jays are 45 and 38. They are fourth place in the American League, looking up at the Tampa Bay Rays, Boston Red Sox, and New York Yankees in first place and being fourth place in the American League East also means you're third place in the wild card race. That's the position the Blue Jays are holding on to right now. Cleveland lurking behind them, three and a half games back. Seattle's lurking four games back. The White Sox, some might say uh, probably the most dangerous team under 500 right now, lurking four and a half games back in the wild card hunt. Fangraphs gives the Blue Jays a 90.2% chance of making the playoffs they project the blue jays for 90 wins then based on what we've seen over the first half of the season and perhaps what we've seen more recently over like the last couple of weeks have you adjusted your expectations for the blue jays like season as a whole upwards downwards or are you staying pretty much level with where you were entering the 2022 campaign you know, I think downwards a little bit just because they have missed some opportunities, lost some games. I still think, you know, if we zoom out really far, then the expectations have to be the same. This is a team that is loaded with talent. They are capable of reaching the World Series and winning it, but not as they're currently constituted. They have a lot of the ingredients, but not all of the ingredients. And so to get to that point, they have to have a really good trade deadline. Right now, their pitching is not good enough. Yusei Kikuchi is a big problem. We'll get to that. Casey Lawrence starting games. Kevin Gosman, uncertainty. Jose Barrios with a big bounce back against Oakland. So, you know, the rotation is starting to um, resolve itself in some ways while still presenting major questions elsewhere. And the bullpen hasn't been good enough all season. So they need more pitching. But still, this lineup is good enough to win it all. And Manoa and Gosman are very, very good frontline pitchers who can get the Blue Jays through playoff series in October. So from that standpoint, the goal remains the same. To me, it's just a bit more clear what that pathway is going to look like. And it's not going to be internal reinforcements on the pitching side because it's just not. So they're going to have to go outside. But to me, the ultimate goal, the ultimate potential of this team remains unchanged. I have adjusted my expectations downwards. I think that the Blue Jays are like a 91-92 win team this year now, based on what I've seen so far. Coming into the season, I would have told you they're like a 94-95 win team. So I haven't like adjusted them like significantly downwards. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they're undoubtedly a, a postseason-capable team, and I think they will be in the playoffs, honestly. I think they're going to win one of these wildcard spots just based on the competition just based on the ALEs probably cannibalizing itself a little bit over the second half. I don't know. Could the Guardians or the Mariners sneak into the conversation? Perhaps. I think the White Sox are probably, as I said, the most dangerous team of, of those three. But I really do think the Blue Jays are a playoff team. I just think they're like a 91-92 win playoff team. And that's because you're not getting that innings eating from Hunjin Ryu that I was dependent on. I wasn't thinking Hunjin Ryu was going to be ace of the staff. Go back, listen to the tape. I was like, look, this is a 140-150 innings league average to slightly above league average 
average ERA guy, well, you're just not getting that bulk anymore, right? And those innings matter and important. We're seeing that now with when you're asking Casey Lawrence to cover those innings and Thomas Hatch to cover those innings. You played the Ross Stripling card like really early in the season. So that depth has really been tested. That starting pitching depth and we're not seeing much upward pressure as you alluded to from the minor league system on that front. So really like I think the Ryu injury hurt this team big time not because of his upside which was there and who knows if healthy maybe he could have unlocked some of that upside but just by the volume (laughs) that you're missing from him and then in the the bullpen as well which has had to be overlooked which is a knock-on effect of missing that starting volume by the way it's been overused i should have said overworked that's a knock-on effect of missing that volume. So now you've got like Adam Simber leading baseball in relief appearances and David Phelps and, you know, third or fourth in appearances. And these are veterans in their mid thirties who, uh, you know, whose workload needs to be managed. David Phelps, my goodness, coming off of major off season, lateral revision surgery, Adam Simber, a guy who doesn't miss bats and, you know, who is going to have those hard luck BABIP days just by virtue of his, approach you know i think for those reasons i'm downgrading expectations a little bit over the second half you can cover up some of this stuff at the trade deadline you can improve and augment certainly but i don't think it'll be enough to get the blue jays up to like a 95 win team i'm looking at you know 92 now is kind of the ceiling yeah you're certainly not looking at the yankees anymore and thinking that that's realistic i mean barring some massive change we're talking about wild card which they have to make they cannot miss the playoffs this we've talked about it before but this core is too good these years are too meaningful you have to get there so to get there is one thing you also need to advance you know you've had one little tiny little two game series against the rays in this vlad and bo tenure this is the time to start winning some series to do that they need some help but like you say the pitching has been really impacted by injuries and underperformance and you look at you know to get ryu kikuchi pearson merriweather I don't know, throw Hatch in there, throw K in there. For that group, whether you call it depth, you know, potential bulk there, none of those guys are being counted on as frontline pitchers, but they've essentially offered nothing collectively. Like it's it's been bad. There's been zero value offered by those guys, with the exception of, I guess, Kikuchi at a decent May. But right now he's not playable. He needs to be out of that rotation. And Hatch, K, nothing. Pearson, nothing. Merriweather, nothing. So, and that wouldn't have been predicted. I'm not saying that this is like some sort of a massive oversight on the part of the front office and they all need to be fired. But I, I do think that right now we know where this team is. They have a lack of pitching and they need to make some meaningful acquisitions in the course of the next three, four weeks. Nick Allgaier, Bowden Francis, CJ Van Eyck, like there just hasn't been a good story to come out from that layer of starting pitching depth. Nate Pearson, you can throw in there as well. I don't know if you can still consider him a prospect. I think he's about to be 26, right? He kind of has to be something at some point soon, but uh, you could layer him in there as well. Like there just hasn't been anything from that group. And that's really been a problem because you don't need like somebody to come out of that group and be like a best in baseball story of the year rookie of the year candidate you just need somebody to give you league average innings but when it's casey lawrence coming up and you know his mid-30s and like super dependable veteran great numbers at triple a but reaches the majors and gives up a bunch of bombs right and it's thomas hatch coming up and allowing 10 runs in a spot start that's not going to be good enough and that's going to hurt you there's just so many innings to cover there's just so much 
<laughs> yeah, double digits. There's just so much. <laughs> like baseball. this isn't like four runs. This is ten. Yeah. No, he got lit up. He wasn't fooling anybody, right? It was cutters up in the zone and on the plate. Yeah, it's good lineups. I mean, just major league lineups are just going to take advantage of stuff like that. So, like, you really are just covering off innings. Like, you're just trying to get through these games. It's nine innings every day. The Blue Jays are in this grueling stretch. And, like, fans, I'm sure, are tired of hearing five games in 72 hours. They're tired of hearing 18 games in 17 days and all this stuff. But you really are just covering innings. And the more you can cover those innings with league average performance, the better. But the Blue Jays haven't been able to it's been below league average performance and that's been the thing that i think has really hurt them especially of late yeah the numbers tell the story i mean you look at the era the home run rate you look at the runs allowed you look at the strikeout rate and the whiff rate for especially relievers it's not good it's not good enough and you know once you get to october you're going to need guys who can thrive in those high leverage situations and you know right now the jays just don't have a ton of those we saw trent thornton thrust into high leverage over and over he did a pretty good job at times ultimately got used a ton and you know is down in the minors as we record this right now but you know you just don't have a ton of dependable arms jordan romano of course is one of them adam simber is another jimmy garcia should be back soon but you know there's there's a lack of help there we've said this so many times and it really remains the case and you know, we've we've said before as well, this is a team that needs to outslug its problems. And that has happened periodically. But, you know, especially in that Oakland series, you look at the offense just getting stymied by Cole Irvin, you know, and for an extended stretch, James Caprillion just dominating the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, I understand these guys are major league pitchers and they were doing some effective things and certainly pitching to the ballpark and relying on their defenders. But, those were opportunities, and that's the reason the Jays lost that series to, to the Oakland A's. They need to be hitting mediocre pitching or even league average pitching when it comes their way. They need to be doing a better job than than they have. And so that's where, you know, I, I haven't crunched the numbers recently, but I think they're on about an 88-win pace as we record this. And that's probably enough to get you there, but a lot of underlying issues continue to persist around this team. Offenses are going to surge and they're going to slump right like that's the thing like even really good offenses like this one and i think it is a really good offense and you can look at the numbers that it put up over the month of june and it was like the best in baseball offense the thing is it's going to get hot and it's going to get cold we've seen that this season and we know that about offenses so i think for the blue jays you really need to upgrade the pitching in a big way at the trade deadline it's not going to come internally like you said like you kind of look at this division right and so you kind of like cross off the yankees because like you're not going to catch the yankees barring some like unbelievable outcomes going forward like the like the yankees have 59 wins in the bank right and they got 80 games remaining so if they play 500 the rest of the way 40 and 40 wow they win 99 if they play 500 the rest of the way they win 99 times right if and the play- jays are probably not winning 99 the Blue, the Blue Jays are not winning 99 games, right? So, so Yankees are, you know, definitely going to finish better than the Blue Jays and pretty almost certainly going to win this division. So you got to cross them off. The Orioles, you cross them off as well, right? Like they're a better team, this club. And I think everyone needs to sort of adjust their expectations upwards. For the Orioles, they aren't the moribund club we saw in recent years. They can knock off good teams. They're capable of doing that. You cannot rely on like just running the table in your games against them. But you cross them off as being like realistic competition. So you're looking at Red Sox and Rays. And what's going to happen with the Red Sox and Rays down the stretch? They're going to get better internally. Chris Sales and rehab outings, 
right now. Brian Bayo is up, you know, with the Red Sox top prospect. Nate Avaldi is working his way back. Garrett Whitlock's going to be added to their Paxton. to their bullpen. James Paxton. I mean, and plus they also have the resources to improve at the deadline. But uh, like they're they're going to get better internally. The race going to get better internally. Brandon Lau is out on a rehab assignment right now. Louis Patino and Pete Fairbanks, guys like this, are going to be working their way back. Does Tyler Glass now have an outside chance at contributing down the stretch? We'll see. They're going to upgrade internally. The Rays might not go out and do much at the trade deadline. They might not have the same resources that the Red Sox do, but they're going to get better internally. It's tough to see how the Blue Jays get better internally right now when the we're seeing the options being tested at the big league level and it's you know it's it's not great right like we went over the starting pitching on the relief side you could appoint to adrian hernandez he's out right now with a shoulder issue he's working his way back but you know he had some shoulder soreness the blue jays are calling it crop up so you kind of downgrade expectations a little bit there we'll see where he's at when he was back he's starting to give up homers towards you know the the time that he went on the il and there was already question about how his fastball would play at the big league level you look at yosfer zulueta sure but he just got to double a and didn't do so well in his first outing at double a untested at the big league level matt gage is like the good story from within for the bullpen right now so it's hard to see on the starting or relief side the blue jays upgrading much internally on their pitching down the stretch so it really does put a lot of pressure on the front office to find solutions outside the organization to make moves to augment before the trade deadline uh that works occurring right now while simultaneously you're preparing for a draft that's coming up in 10 days and the day-to-day operations of this club which has been some pretty heavy lifting lately when you're just trying to get these innings covered and you're, you're working on waivers to bring in Sergio Romo's and your Anthony Bonda's and you're, you know, you're making moves and, and you're just trying to like cover innings at this point and put a roster on the field every day you're doing that in concert with the draft and with framing values and understanding opportunities on the trade market it's a lot right now but that work needs to be done because the blue jays need to upgrade from externally ahead of august 2nd yeah they absolutely do i think you know when you look at the last couple of years so 2020 they acquired stripling taiwan walker robbie ray jonathan vr i might be missing some guys they they added a lot of players 2021 they acquired Certainly early in the season, we saw Dickerson, we saw Richards, we saw Simber acquired, then we saw Soria, we saw Brad Hand acquired. I might be missing some guys. This is just off the top of my head here. But all of this to say, they made moves both of those years. There is no doubt that they are going to make moves. Like, it is going to happen. They are going to find some external reinforcements. But, you know, as the Soria deal shows, as the Brad Hand deal shows... It's one thing to acquire guys. It's another thing to acquire guys who make an impact and make the impact that you need. And so this is where in the next three, four weeks, the Jays need to be making those right decisions. You know, if they're acquiring a couple relievers to, you know, potentially churn out some of this existing bullpen, as you said, you know, guys like Bonda and, and certainly Sergio Romo. Matt Peacock was the other mode. one that I was looking for. Peacock. Earlier. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He was clean the other day. So, you know, these guys are almost in a tryout mode right now where if they can stick, great. If they can't, they'll be cycled out because there are new additions coming. But, you know, they've they've got to add meaningfully. It's not just a warm body. It's not just someone to cover innings. It's someone who can really meaningfully reshape this bullpen. And, you know, is that a David Bednar? I would think about some very, very good 
talent going the other way for a Bednar. I think Chris Martin with the Cubs is interesting. David Robertson, pending free agent, you're not giving up quite that same amount of talent, but you want to be in on Robertson. Is it a Joe Mantiply? Is it someone that we haven't thought of at all? And of course, some of this picture hasn't yet revealed itself because some of the teams that will end up selling are right now one game above 500 or one game below. So, you know, they're not at that point, but the Jays need to be adding impact. They need to be willing to part with some talent. They are going to make moves. Like it's, I mean, that's, that's the easiest prediction to make, right? They're going to, they've done it every year. Of course, they see the same thing that we're seeing. They are motivated to get improvements, but it's a question of how good those improvements are. And, and honestly, you know, we can get back to the starting rotation too, but they're probably at a point that they need to add a starting pitcher and two relievers. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard with relievers, really. And you, you look at like guys like Bonda, Romo, Peacock, like these are sort of band-aid solutions to get you through July. Like you said, it's kind of tryout camp for those guys right now. And like, no, no, look, you're claiming guys or with uh, Bonda was a trade, I guess. You're trading slash claiming guys that were DFA'd by the Pirates and the Royals. Right. Like Anthony Bond, you know, like I, I see it with them. Like I see what the Blue Jays are seeing. Right. Lefty mid 90s fastball. Good change up. It's you know, like land it for strikes on the plate. It gets, you know, chase off. Still a six and a half ERA this year. Right. DFA'd by the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, I see it with the BABIP and some of the luck with balls on play. Like we'll see right matt peacock right like i i see it 60 percent ground ball rate over his career right i get it. he can pitch multiple innings he's optionable i get it dfa'd by the kansas city royals right like mm-hmm. that's the, <laughs> that's the situation i don't see a lot there i'll be honest arden like i i just i really don't see a lot there yeah i mean can be used up and down over the next month right to bail you out as some of these like really tough jams that the blue Jays found themselves in where they need to mop up low leverage outs and they're overusing Trent Thornton in that role already right Sergio Romo's 39 and throws 85 in his own words right (laughs) we'll see is there one last hurrah there for at the end of what has been a great spectacular career Mm -hmm. maybe we'll see but yeah you need higher upside plays in this bullpen ahead of the deadline but how do you identify those guys relievers are so volatile look at brad hand last year right like the blue jays thought they were getting a you know pretty good leverage lever in brad hand last year he exploded into a million pieces well i don't know maybe the blue jays should trade for brad hand this year because he has a 216 era and he's striking out a batter an inning he hasn't allowed a home run in 33 appearances ben He's got a 99th percentile hard hit rate and a 95th percentile barrel rate. This is Brad Hand, oh, who I'm talking about. These are 2022 statistics. 90th oh, percentile man. expected batting average. 92nd sure. percentile expected slug. Take away the name. Wouldn't you want to add that guy to your bullpen? But it's oh, Brad Hand, man. and relievers yeah. are volatile, right? Like, this is look at Brad Hand, who was great before the Blue Jays acquired him last year, disastrous after, and is now again one of the better leverage arms in baseball. It's so volatile. It's so hard to make those right decisions when you're trying to acquire relievers at the deadline. I mean, at this point, honestly, Brad Hand would be an upgrade. I can't deny it. Right. You're not giving up anything of consequence for him. That's for sure. And I presume he's still, I haven't looked. I presume he's still, you know, throwing 93, in which case, okay, like he's going to give up some home runs. That ERA is going to go up. So not to say that he couldn't be useful for someone. 99th percentile hard hit rate. One of literally the best relievers in baseball at limiting hard contact. Whether that continues is another question. I mean, to me, 
you need to be finding guys who really miss bats, who have some velocity, who are not throwing, you know, 92 like Soria was when he got here last year. Like you, you got to get some nasty swing and miss stuff that needs to exist in this bullpen along with Jordan Romano, who looked great closing out the A's on a lot of rest the other day. You need more support there. Um, so to me, you have to be willing to trade meaningfully from your farm system. I think if you're getting the right controllable reliever, I understand there's volatility, but I'm not closing down a conversation if Jordan Groshen's name comes up. I, I think, you know, Arelvis Martinez for the right pitcher, maybe starting pitcher if you're talking about Arelvis Martinez, yeah. but you know, Arelvis Martinez could be traded. I have no problem with that. You know, it's, it's not Gabriel Moreno. It's not Ricky Tiedemann, but I think you've got to be willing to listen for some of these very well-regarded Blue Jays prospects to upgrade the major league team. And that's not to say you're cavalier with it. It's not to say you trade both Groshans and Arelvis. But I think if you're trading one of those guys for the right pitching upgrade this summer, that's okay. Let me put it this way. This time last year, I would have been advocating for the Blue Jays to trade for Chase and Shreve. Because I would have been like, yeah, here's a good available reliever. He's got like a 320 ERA, you know, 95th percentile hard hit rate, six a lot of the same boxes. Brad Hand does. This week, he was DFA'd. If the Blue Jays want Chase mm-hmm. and Shreve, he's out there right now this week. He was a totally serviceable reliever last year. Like, it's so volatile with relievers. It's so hard to make those right decisions. We saw it with Soria in hand, which were the wrong decisions last year. Will the Blue Jays make the right decisions this year? I don't know. When it comes to starting pitching, like you said, they need a back-end starter. And you can look at, like, the obvious candidates, like expiring deals, like your Chad Cools and your Zach Davies, like your Zach Granke's, right? The guys like that. Martin Perez, maybe, depending on what the Rangers do. I think the Blue Jays should be looking for somebody with a bit more control. I think they should be looking at somebody who they can either via arbitration or via a deal that they've signed, like have on their roster in 2023 as well, because that's part of the Ryu discussion here too, is you need somebody for 2023 now too. So I'm looking for more of like a Barrios-esque deal and maybe not like a guy with the upside of a Barrios, but somebody who is going to be a part of your club going forward. Like with Stripling at the 2020 deadline, right? Like not, you know, super high-end talent, but totally serviceable pitcher who you have under club control going forward. That's when I'm like, all right, let's talk about Jordan Groshans. Let's talk about Elvis Martinez is when I am also addressing my club in 2023 as well. Cause the blue Jays have to, it's not just about 22. Like they, they got to continue looking forward. And because this is not like a win at all cost 2022, we're going to fall off a cliff next season thing. This is a window of contention. This is going to continue for years to come. And the majority of this club really is like under contract for 23 as well. Like the Blue Jays have very few pending free agents, Ross Stripling being one of them, by the way. So does that mean like, would Seattle talk about like Chris Flexen go on each like roster and pick the guy who fits that mold? But I don't think the Blue Jays are just going to be limiting themselves to the rental targets, this trade deadline. I think they got to be thinking longer term as well. Agreed. I do think that they can really focus their attention on pitching at this point. Just the way Tapia is playing, the way Biggio is playing, the need for a lefty bat, I think, is, is kind of diminishing. So that simplifies things. The position player core is strong. You know, maybe there's a way to upgrade over Bradley Zimmer. Uh, certainly, if you can find someone who brings his defense and his speed 
but also hits like even a little bit, then that's an upgrade. So I, I think you stay open-minded on, on that particular position, but otherwise this position player course is, is very strong. So it does create the ability to focus on, on pitching. And, you know, like you say, you're not going to be reckless. You're not going to trade a, a well-regarded prospect for a rental reliever. That's just, it's off the table. It doesn't happen anymore. But like you say, for the right controllable pitcher or combination of pitchers, then then maybe you're willing to do that. And I think that it's something that you're going to proceed with very, very cautiously. But certainly, like, I don't think the Jays are regretting trading Gunnar Hoagland, who was their first round pick in 2021 for Matt Chapman. I don't think they're regretting trading Austin Martin, who last I checked was slugging like 375 and double A to get Jose Barrios. You know, it's sometimes you got to make these deals to upgrade the major league team. And this is a team that is so clearly strong in so many ways. They might have four all-stars or five all-stars this year, but it so clearly needs help. And so this is the time to do that. And that costs something to, to make that change. That is a bit of the issue with like the depth starting right now is that you traded guys like Gunnar Hoagland, like Simeon Woods Richardson, Kendall Williams, Jensi Diaz, Sean Reed Foley. Like you traded a lot of those guys. And I know none of these guys are superstars. Some of them, like Hoagland, I don't even know if he's throwing yet, right? But yeah. you did like access and tap into some of that depth in order to trade for guys like Chapman, Barrios, Stripling, Mats etc so you know that is also part of the reason why like you know you're now having to rely on your hatches and your anthony k's of this world and and guys who just really haven't been able to give you what you need at the big league level like those league average innings that the blue jays are so direly missing you also mentioned another area of surplus in your last answer there like this team's current major league offense it's very good there's a lot of good players there a lot of players other teams might be interested in would you think about using a Teoscar Hernandez, a Lourdes Gurriel Jr., dare I say it, an Alejandro Kirk or a Danny Jansen in order to trade big league for big league, you know, in order to trade for pitching that could help you right now? You went there. The Alejandro Kirk uh, trade discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, to me, Kirk is, is off the table. Do you see that differently? No. I don't think that the Blue Jays trade a catcher right now, honestly. Yeah. I don't. And it, it, but if they do, it's got to be it's got to be Jansen. But to would me. you tap in? You'd answer the question, man. Would you oh, tap I, I'll in? Get, I'll get there. I'll get there. So, yeah, to me Kirk is off the table. He's just it's just a non-starter. He's too good. He's he's hitting too well. You you need him in your lineup. He's a core piece of your team moving forward. And I'm not saying you yeah, you just enjoy what he's doing and hope it continues and believe that that there are real skills there that will allow him to continue producing. So Kirk is a part of this quote. In the air to left, fairly well hit. Vaughn going back, it's gone! It just kept carrying and carrying, and the Blue Jays have the lead. Jansen, yeah, I would listen, but I agree. It's less likely. I think you want his knowledge of that pitching staff. Gabriel Moreno has started struggling a little bit. We saw him look overmatched at times in the last week. You want Jansen back there. So the best big league team includes Danny Jansen. You are not going to be cavalier about trading him either. Jansen to me stays. Now, Lourdes Teoscar. These guys are very good major league hitters. They're both one year away from free agency. Lourdes is having a very good season despite not having a lot of home runs. And Teoscar has really come around of late. He's looking like Teoscar Hernandez. So these guys have tremendous value both to the Blue Jays or to another team. A 
High drive to deep center by Hernandez. And gone! Wow, did Teoscar give that one a ride to straightaway center field. And the Blue Jays are for the right pitcher, for the right combination of pitchers, you think about it. Now, that likely means you're seeing Tapia in an everyday role. He's going to get more exposed if that happens. That's not good. Your bench gets depleted. That's not good. I'm not sure who comes up and takes that spot. So you're probably looking at another trade, someone else coming back into the organization. There are a lot of possibilities there. But I would be open-minded to it. You know, Teoscar and Lourdes are very good players, but are they going to be with this team beyond 2023? We'll see, right? They might not be part of this long, long-term core. Still, you got to win in the meantime. They help you win right now. Um, I would not be in a rush to get away from them. I think Lourdes's defense has actually improved a lot, and he deserves credit for that. But I'd be open to it in theory. I think in reality, it's not going to happen. Could you like seek to address that with one of the rental outfielders available, be it Benintendi, be it um, Gamble, uh, Naquin? Like, say, we've been talking about these guys for months. Uh, one of those guys, seek to address that that way and then tap into some of that depth that you have now to, say, line up with like a Miami Marlins for one of their young pitchers, line up with a Houston Astros who could be looking for outfield help. The Astros, by the way, probably looking for a catcher if you wanted to revisit the catcher situation and sure because like you look at those like clubs like miami and houston that have a surplus of pitching at the big league level and it's i don't know if there's such a thing exists even right like no team ever feels good about its pitching depth but i look at rosters like those as teams that like could perhaps have arms to move and be looking for position players Maybe the Blue Jays need to get creative and need to start thinking about, yeah, maybe we have to subtract from our big league roster in order to address another part of our big league roster and make it better as a whole. Yeah, I think you can be open-minded to it. And I think this is the time to have those talks because it can take time to set that in motion. If you're ever going to be open-minded, this is a great time to do it and to think creatively. Again, to me, the most likely option is you're trading from your farm system, you're upgrading the big league team, and you're making it work that way. But if there's a way to get those pitching upgrades through some different ways, I think you can do it. But I think you want to be careful because Ben Benintendi doesn't do a ton for me. Ben Gamble, Robbie Grossman, Cole Calhoun, these guys don't do a ton for me unless they're role players. Naquin, a little more interesting. But now that Tappy is in that role and he's kind of filling it for the Jays and doing a better job, I think you're pretty much okay with your position player group, again, unless you can find a way to get that Zimmer upgrade. And, I, you know, even just as a quick aside, watching Ramon Laureano, I haven't seen him in center field. I know he's playing right for the A's. That's the kind of guy who brings speed, defense, and a better bat than Zimmer that would intrigue me. Hits from the wrong side is the problem with Laureano. The only, I mean, the thing with Zimmer is he hits from the left side, but he's, you know, no offense to Bradley Zimmer, but such a bad hitter that it doesn't really matter what side he hits from. I, but I agree. Ideally, Ramon Laureano is hitting is hitting left. I think ideally you condense Tapia and Zimmer into one left-handed hitting outfielder who can play center, can run, yeah. can give you some more offense, and those guys are condense that roster spot into one, open up another one to make another yeah. addition. I think that's what's ideal. But I also think that teams very seldom find what's ideal and they very often are uh, dealing with what's available and what's possible something else to keep in mind as we head towards the trade deadline let's step away but when we come back we gotta talk about Yusei Kikuchi we haven't even talked about Yusei Kikuchi yet and where the Blue Jays go with him and so much more and we continue 
on at the letters. It continues on at the letters Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson Smith, our producers are Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade, and we are coming back with Major League Beer for Major League Baseball, brought to you by Miller Light, the original light beer. Ben, very simple question this week as we near the All-Star break, the All-Star game. I think by the next time we record, we'll know the rosters and who's going to Dodger Stadium. Who do you want to see on the mound? Who do you want to see starting the All-Star game for the AL and the NL? Well, I'll give you a simple answer to a simple question here. American League, I want to see Justin Verlander, future Hall of Famer, having a great year, coming back from Tommy John. National League, Sandy Alcantara, he's having the best year. He deserves to be there, and I think that that would be a tremendous matchup between a couple pitchers kind of on on either ends of their careers, one guy just emerging, one guy toward the end, but I think that'd be great. And I'll just add, I would love to see in some form Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols, maybe as honorary all-stars, even if they're not there on merit, I think that would be a nice touch by MLB. Yeah, I'm with you on that last bit about just like getting crazy um and just doing whatever the hell you want to showcase the game and also to your point like the idea that the all-star game is in any way a meritocratic exercise is absurd that's just not the case it's an entertainment product it's a showcase of the game right you're trying to sell this sport like you're trying to show people why they should make the insane decision to watch this absurd game for three hours every night like you're trying to every night this is your grandest stage Every night, every night, we watch it every night. This is like, you've got all the eyes on you. You've got the attention of the sporting landscape. That's why, like, I get it for Landers having a fantastic season. Give me Shohei Otani. Give me the literal unicorn, the, like, singular, unmatched talent in this game. One of the most amazing players in literal generations. Like, a guy who... Every time he is on the mound going like seven shutout with 10 strikeouts and also like coming back and hitting 430 foot bombs as a DH the next day. Like every time he's doing that, we should be going, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. What is even happening? Right? Like it's unbelievable that this is happening. So that's the guy who you want to showcase to the world. You want to say, hey, here's why you should watch baseball because unbelievable, remarkable things that we never thought possible are happening right now. So give me Shohei Otani. And on the other side, I agree. Alcantara is having a great year and deserves it. But give me Carlos Rodon because he is interesting and fun to watch. He is aggressive. He has an attack mindset. He's a lefty. He's got a cool delivery. He is like whipping 97 as a starter with crazy movement on his secondaries. He's cool. He's confident. Like He's got a sweet demeanor on the mound and also like look Alcantara is going to be good for a number of years like he's clearly going to be one of the better pitchers in the NL for some time to come this might be Carlos Rodon at the peak of his powers we've seen how his career is gone we've seen what kind of injuries he's dealt with I really think we have like peak prime Carlos Rodon right now and we need to capitalize on him at the height of his powers I'd like to see Rodon second inning for me, third inning for me. He can he can get in there. But Otani, I mean, that's tough to debate. I Otani he's just such a compelling 
athlete. He's he's incredible. He really is. And I think you know we were maybe a bit quick uh, collectively to crown Aaron Judge as the as the MVP in the American League. And of course, he's having an amazing season. But Jordan Alvarez also having an amazing year. And Shohei Otani, just every season, the pitching, the hitting, the base running, he is like, and I know the Angels are bad. Like, they are not a good team. They have fewer wins than the Baltimore Orioles, but you can't overlook Shohei Otani when you're having an MVP conversation. So, from the best pitchers in baseball to one of the worst statistically to this point, you say Kikuchi. What do the Blue Jays do? Two starts ago. Then two starts ago in Milwaukee, I wrote that Yusei Kikuchi needs to come out of this rotation. He needs to get a break. He needs to be either phantom IL'd or just like keep him on the roster if you must, but don't let him make his next start because he clearly is not able to make the adjustments that he needs to with the pressures of having to do so in competition every five days against the best hitters in baseball. He is too frequently putting your team in a position where you were having to ask your bullpen for like, 17 18 19 outs like he is just too uncompetitive on a reliable basis for you to continue on with him in the rotation that was two starts ago that i wrote that since then had actually a decent outing against the tampa bay rays brought the cutter back into the repertoire got through six innings struck out eight and then had another absolute disaster against the Oakland Athletics in which he had zero semblance of fastball command, couldn't find the zone, didn't look confident on the mound. Seven of 14 hitters reached via free pass, five walks, two hit by pitches. Ben, what are you doing now with Yusei Kikuchi? It's, yeah, it's it's tough to watch. Yeah, he's he's got some good stuff in the sense that he can throw the baseball very hard. But as you said, he has no idea where it's going. It's tough to watch. He does not know where the ball is going. And you know, you can even see he is aware of this on the mound. He's like standing there hitting the Oakland A's. By the way, not a good offensive team. And he's plunking them. He's walking them. He's at a loss. He does not know where the ball is going. I mean, if if he was we're we're in draft season right now, right? Ten days away. If he was a draft prospect, you'd be intrigued. You'd think, all right, this guy has some first-round talent for sure, throwing 96 from the left side. But you'd say, he's not polished. He's not throwing strikes. He has no command. He's a project. He's got a lot of work to do. Now, Yusei Kikuchi is someone who has already risen to the heights of being an all-star pitcher in the major leagues. So you know it's there. You know it's possible. But as we speak right now, he does not have command. So that's essential. You have to be able to throw the ball for a strike. He can't do that consistently. It's a massive problem. So I agree. He should not be in this rotation, even though the alternative, as the the Blue Jays like to frame it, the alternative is not good either because the alternative is probably Max Castillo. Okay. You know, this is someone with zero major league starts who has been not starting for the last month because he's been in the major league bullpen. You're not expecting a lot of bulk there. You're not sure what the results are going to look like. It's a bit of a gamble, but his AAA numbers are good, really good. And so to me, it's time for Max Castillo to be in the rotation. It's time for Yusei Kikuchi to be out of it. And where that is for Kikuchi, is it a fake injury? Sure, that's fine. Do you option him? That's fine. Whatever it takes, he should not be making another start. You and I were covering that start from from the studios here in Toronto with Jamie Campbell on Blue Jays Central. And so we're watching him very closely. We're not there having those conversations with people around the team as we otherwise might. But you hear some of the comments from Charlie Montoyo and the tone in his voice. I think there is a point 
I think we're at a point now where there is exasperation on the part of the Blue Jays. And I think that they are also reaching the same conclusion. I don't think we see him make that next start. And I think that the time has come. Like he should not be pitching in this rotation right now. I just think that him going back to the cutter was a real sign of that exasperation and that desperation. The Blue Jays took that pitch away from him for a reason uh, because it's uncompetitive at the big league level when he leaves it over the plate. It's not a good pitch. And he worked against the Rays, worked once. He had the element of surprise against the Rays. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, Randy Rosarina just missed demolishing a cutter against the Rays, uh, for the Rays, I should say, against Kikuchi. Isak Paredes did demolish a cutter into the 200 level, and Yandy Diaz produced the hardest hit ball against Kikuchi in that outing off of a cutter. It wasn't working as well as I think people thought that it was. I think that it was a little bit of the element of surprise and a lot of bit of luck in that outing. It's not a good pitch. Blue Jays took it away for a reason. We saw that against Oakland. It's not a pitch that he needs to be throwing a lot. He needs to be throwing his fastball a lot. He hasn't had confidence in his fastball this season. And when, look, when you don't know where your fastball is going to go, when it leaves your hand, you can understand why you wouldn't have confidence mm-hmm in that pitch but this is not the adjustment you see kikuchi needs to be making going back to the cutter because it's just that's what led to his problems before he came to toronto and the blue jays took it away for a reason it needs to stay out of his repertoire because when he has it in there he's shaking to it all the time and it's a pitch that big league hitters are going to do damage against so when when that those are the adjustments that are being made right now i think you see kikuchi needs to take a step away from competition and just decompress reset mentally work on some things in bullpens not against the best hitters in the best league every five days like work on some stuff with the blue jays pitching folks and just start anew and come back with like a refreshed mindset and a new approach but it's hard to do that like for the reasons you cited because you're right now you need to cover innings right now the blue jays don't have off days it's very hard to skip him and the replacements for the rotation aren't exactly uh you know invigorating so what are your what are your other options and then also you think about it so what are you gonna do you're gonna phantom il him right well the player has to agree to that you say kikuchi i asked him in milwaukee how are you feeling he said i feel great I feel strong. I feel, I feel very well, you know? So the player has to agree to that. Uh, you can't just like do it willy nilly. You could put him and in a bowl. Remember who his agent is too. Oh yeah. I'm getting to that. <laughs> you yeah. can, well, let me do the second option. Then let me do it this way. You can option him, right? You can actually send him to the minors. He doesn't have five years service and he has option years remaining, but remember who his agent is scott boris who is not going to be pleased if you option you say kikuchi to the minors and in the relationship with scott boris over the long term is an important one so that has to be considered but remember look the red sox sent down rusni castillo right like you can option you say kikuchi I don't know that that's going to be what happens here. You could also put him in the bullpen. If you're not going to phantom IL him or send him to the minors, maybe he becomes Trent Thornton and he pitches kind of mop up bulk outings out of your bullpen. You refine the arsenal. He's just throwing fastballs and sliders. It would be a poor use of one of your eight bullpen slots, I think. And I think it would be tough to find spots for, for him to pitch in. But it is an option. But like, this is what you're dealing with here, right? Like, this is where you're at because either it's you continue with him going forward or 
bullpen or phantom il like, i think the best option honestly is one that doesn't exist and I, maybe it's one that does exist in five to ten years and it's like a developmental assignment and essentially you just you you the guy isn't injured you're just removing him from competition and he comes off of your roster onto a developmental list and maybe he goes to your facility in arizona or florida maybe he stays with the team and just works with things on the side maybe he keeps traveling with you but it's like a developmental assignment where he doesn't count towards your active roster and he spends that time just working on things you could do it for a hitter in a terrible slump you could do it for a pitcher who's going through things like you say kikuchi is and you just don't have to have the burden of carrying them on the active roster like i do think maybe in five ten years there is like a developmental list that's like three to five names at any given time and you can have players on there kind of like a taxi squad in a way and maybe they get service maybe they don't like you'd have to figure out the you know the particulars of it or how long a guy could be on there i think that would be the best solution but it does not exist right i mean it's sort of similar to an option in some ways but there's a different name for it and of course there's some nuance there for sure yeah um interesting concept you know to me what i would do is i would say all right, you say you have a choice. You either have some shoulder fatigue or you're going to be optioned and it's up to you and we're really sure you're going to come back and we expect you're going to be a big part of this team in the second half. Um, obviously, right now it's not working. And so, you know, let us know which one of these options you would want to proceed with and then and go from there. And, and you know, it's probably, you know, not not to presume that I know what's best for you, say Kikuchi, but I imagine that might be best for him and certainly for the Blue Jays. You can't have him starting games. He is not a competitive major league starting pitcher at this point. It is not just one start. It is like four, five, six starts. And it's not competitive. So you, you have to remove him. It is interesting that the Blue Jays are in a point right now where they can delay the decision a little bit. Like you say, Kikuchi is scheduled to start on Sunday, the finale of the Mariners series. Kevin Gosman is not going to start on Thursday after taking that liner off of his ankle and being saved by the high top cleat padding from having his ankle friggin' shattered. Gosman's not going to be ready to go on Thursday. Casey Lawrence is going to pitch there and maybe he starts, maybe it's behind an opener, who knows. But then you go Stripling Friday, Manoa Saturday, and Sunday's supposed to be Kikuchi. Maybe Gosman's ready to go then. And maybe Gosman comes back on Sunday. And then you can kind of, you got the off day Monday and you can leverage that and you can delay this into the final week before the All-Star break. I wonder if the Blue Jays don't take that option, just kind of see how things play out and uh, in their words, collect as much information as possible and just kind of put it off until then and kick it down the road just, just a little bit. They do have that option right now, but ultimately push is going to come to shove and you're going to have to make a call on Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, I think too, if you do IL Kikuchi, then that opens up the door to recall someone to take his place on the roster. But as you're saying there, some of that depends on Gosman. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. You know, initially, uh, we've seen the footage, probably a lot of our listeners have seen the footage of him walking on the field in the Coliseum in Oakland pretty gingerly, not putting his full weight on it or pushing off fully. It doesn't sound like he's been able to do a bullpen just yet. So to me, Gosman, given the importance of him for the second half, given the importance of him, if and when you get to the playoffs, you got to let him rest. And if that means ILing Gosman, you do that too. And so, you know, this is not, none of this is good. None of this is ideal, but I think you got to get Gosman right, you know? So if that means, you know, maybe he's made his last start for the Jays in the first half. Maybe he comes back after the All-Star break and he starts your first night. 
if you IL Gosman, yeah, he's gone till after the All Star break. If you yeah. IL Kuchi right now, obviously he's gone till after the All Star break. So that means you're getting more Casey Lawrence starts, maybe some Castillo, maybe some Thomas Hatch at a time when you really need to win games. That's the thing. Like it's not like you you have this big lead that you can you know all these wins banked. Uh, you just came off a five game losing streak. You no. you need to be as competitive as possible in each of these games going into the break. Man, the one name there that just Thomas Hatch, man, 10 runs. I don't think you can go back to him. And I, I know they don't have good, like Casey Lawrence and Max Castillo aren't, aren't exactly Scherzer and DeGrom, but you know, I, I don't, to, like, would you? I think he's better than I, he showed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, it was, didn't bad. see a he lot of reason hammered. there for, for, for optimism going forward. Yeah. I don't know. Like to to me, Hatch is like he's on the fringe of that roster right now. Like you know, if they make a trade acquisition and they need a spot on the roster, you know, you might be looking at him. Is it worth noting? And feel free to shoot this down. Is it worth noting that the spot Yusekuchi's in right now is not dissimilar to the spot that Robbie Ray was in in 2020 when the Blue Jays acquired Robbie Ray? Right, like for he had made his first. Uh, well, it's 20 right it was short in season, so it was in like six or seven outings for the Diamondbacks that year. And you could have said a lot of the same things about Robbie Ray they did about Yusuke Kikuchi. It's like, wow, like from the left side, the guy throws a wicked fastball in the mid-90s. And like, geez, you know, he's got this like you know, really good secondary offering in his slider. And, uh, you know, Kikuchi's even got that split change, though, when he's commanding it is useful, but he's had zero command of it lately. The problem is he doesn't know where the ball's going. The problem is he's he's got zero control in these walking everybody i mean robbie ray and the blue jays acquired him was like leading baseball on walks he had outings of like five six walks multiple outings of five or six walks coming into the blue jays acquiring him that guy went out and won a cy young award the next year like is it worth remembering that with yusei kikuchi that like i'm by no means saying he's gonna win a cy young award please (laughs) but that he is just an adjustment away or a eureka moment away an aha moment away from like okay i found something that's gonna help me control my pitches and have my command and my confidence on the mound put my stuff in the zone my stuff is undeniably nasty and see better results going forward that's the best case that's the best case i I think that it's it's definitely worth remembering that because it reminds us that pitching is incredibly hard and there is an ebb and flow to careers of of most pitchers um and it's it's really good stuff that yusei kikuchi has so i'm certainly not anticipating that that eureka moment is around the corner i i think when you're talking about a three-year contract, you got to have patience for him. He's someone who, you know, he's obviously trying his best. I mean, there's no, you can tell like the relief after he had that start against the Rays. We're talking to him, you know, thanking his teammates and just expressing so much relief and gratitude for having been able to contribute to the team. There's no question his heart's in the right place. He's trying to do what he can, but you know, it's, it's really not there. And so to me, I don't think he's close to turning that around from what I've just seen from the spray charts of where his fastball is going. It, it's not a pitcher who's, who seems to me to be an adjustment away. Could that happen in spring of 2023? And could he come out and walk three and a half batters per nine next year? I think, yeah, that is possible. That's your, again, probably one of your best cases because with Ray, you know, and this it reminds me of Aaron Sanchez too. There's some pitchers who they don't have command. Like they're not putting the ball on a pin. They're not, it's not Tom Glavin out there, but they have control in the sense that they can put it over the plate. 
Kikuchi now can't even put it over the plate. So if he can go from total wildness to at least putting it over the plate, you're talking about a useful major league pitcher. I do think Kikuchi would be aided, and this doesn't line up very well for him, but he would be aided by the return of Danny Jansen. And I don't think that that yep. would like solve all of his problems, but I do think Danny Jansen is a better game manager and pitcher manager for lack of a better word than gabriel moreno is right now or than alejandro kirk is and we kind of talked about it last time but like it's it's worth reiterating that like danny jansen he's out on a rehab assignment right now pretty good chance he rejoins the blue jays in seattle over the weekend likely even earlier like maybe even for the beginning of that series i would bet that gabriel moreno is the odd man out on the roster and the best thing for moreno is just to go to AAA and continue to play like look it was cool to see him at the big league level it was cool to see the tools and to see what the Blue Jays have on their hands, but I think that we've learned on both sides of the ball there is still room for refinement there and that there are still things to work on. And when Danny Jansen returns to this roster, I just don't think there will be enough playing time and opportunity for him there in the big leagues to continue working on those things. I, I agree with all of that. I think, you know, what we've seen from Moreno, and it is cool to see him, what we've seen is a great catching prospect a super exciting catching prospect who is not yet a fully ready major league catcher in my opinion you know and that's where he should be at 22 years old like he's young he's got time to develop there's a reason that when you see Alejandro Kirk doing what he's doing at the age of 23 it's really rare it's actually really rare for catchers that young to get to the major leagues and to be fully formed and productive at that age so Moreno has more learning to do that should happen at AAA we've seen just signs in the last little while that the Jays are starting to see that Moreno is not quite at the point of being fully ready. I mean, you, you saw him struggle against some right-on-right changeups in the Oakland series. Uh, he seemed a little overmatched at times there. There was an opportunity to pinch hit for Kevin Biggio in that third game of the series with Bradley Zimmer definitely coming into the game afterwards for defense. So Biggio was going out. It was a lefty-on-lefty matchup, and the Blue Jays did not pinch hit for Moreno, who of course would have been a righty against the lefty on the mound. That would have given them the platoon advantage in that spot. But Moreno, just they kept him on the bench. They wanted the the quality of the at-bat that Biggio would give them. So these are signs to me that you know Moreno, his challenges are still there. The Jays are seeing this. I expect by the time a lot of people are listening to this, pretty good chance that he's optioned. And that's good because then he can continue developing and get ready for the stretch run where rosters expand a little bit. He could still be a useful piece on a playoff team for the Jays, but got to play first. Yeah, he'll be back is the thing. He'll be back towards the end of the year, I'm sure. But yeah, we've kind of seen it on both sides, seen the the approach. He's kind of expanding a bit more than he was earlier um going after some stuff that maybe you shouldn't maybe pressing a little bit at the plate and i think just when he is catching a guy like kikuchi i just don't know that he has the experience or the the metal the know-how like just like the the wealth of knowledge that a Danny jansen would via his innings upon innings of catching mm-hmm. at this level to go out and deliver a, a message to you say kikuchi that could perhaps pull him out of a, a tailspin or, or help him be better going forward like it just it takes time to learn that stuff right like 23 year old kid in his first taste of the majors just isn't gonna have that feel even alejandro kirk at his point where he's at you know with a, a couple seasons under his belt still is not gonna have that feel you talk to people with the blue jays and they talk about how kirk's like getting better in those meetings before games and sharing his opinion a bit more and like is kind of growing into that 
but that's a continuing process for a guy who made his debut in 2020 right so i just think that danny jansen as a game manager is you know it's not something you can quantify it's very intangible but i think it's something that the blue jays will benefit from when jansen is back and we'll see if he can keep yanking those homers into the seats as well there was one more thing before we go of course want to make note of uh mark budzinski's daughter julia who died tragically at uh the age of 17 over the last week obviously blue jays fans are going to be well aware of this situation uh buds away from the team right now saw devon white uh coaching first base also saw luis Hurtado over there uh obviously like i mean unspeakable tragic situation like there just aren't even words to put into you know what mark budzinski and the entire budzinski family is going through right now but uh you know obviously want to send our, our thoughts our deepest condolences to to bud and to everybody impacted by this ben yeah, just absolutely crushing. I think for Mark and for his family, of course, sending condolences to them. Completely, completely crushing news and devastating. So our thoughts certainly with Mark and, and with his family uh, during, yeah, that really a tragic, tragic event. Obviously one that's impacted the team. Uh, being around the team on the weekend, it was very clear how much they were impacted, of course, um, as, as they would be, uh, as, as someone very close to them. Yeah, just absolutely tragic and, and thoughts with the Budzinski family right now. Yeah, they're humans. They're not characters, you know, in a movie or in a, you know, avatars in a video game or something. These are people, these are humans with families, with emotions, with feelings. You got to think that has been, it's been a massive impact on the Blue Jays, I'm sure, over the last, uh, you know, five to seven days since this happened. And like, especially just knowing Bud a little bit, like just such a, you know, such a strong presence, such a, you know, good person to be around, obviously, like has a strong impact on us from a media side. And I can only imagine what a strong impact he has within that clubhouse and behind the scenes uh so definitely missed in a in a very big way right now uh in you know in in the blue jays world and uh obviously you know deeply deeply sorry for what has happened to the budzinski family that's gonna be it for us this week our producers were nick andrade and christian ryan he's ben nicholson smith my name's arden zwelling and we will talk to you next time on at the letters.